Yes, God. God. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, we ask you that we will not be just here of the word, but do us, Lord Jesus. We ask yes, you, God, Lord. that you will guide us. Lord Jesus, that we will be bold and courageous to share the gospel yes, with the lost, with our family members, co-workers, with those in the street that we see, Father God. We ask you, God, that we will do exactly what you call us to do, God, as we are yes. about to celebrate uh, this beautiful celebration of Christmas, of your birth, Lord Jesus, we ask you that we will take this opportunity for us to be able to be your ambassador. Yes, Father. The chosen generation, Father God, for such a time as you have called us out of darkness to your marvelous light, God, so we give you the glory and the honor during this time together. Lord, speak to us. Yes, Lord. We want to listen to you and to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 That's yep. Lord, I ask you to be with friend right now. I don't know what's going on, but I pray, Father God, that you will be with him. I know that he has suffered a loss last week or so. Father God, I ask you to strengthen his body, clear his mind, whatever he's doing, Father God. We ask you in Jesus' name to bring him back to you, running, Father God. I ask you to just let him, let somebody come across his path and bring you to him, that he knows you, Lord God, be with him. Um, as he goes through this time of um, what he's going through, um, you know what it is, Father, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Let's worship our King.
music fades All is stripped away And I simply can't Longing just to bring Something that's worth That will bless your heart song in itself it is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Yeah.
Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love, Father, that endures forever. Do you pray, God, that we would be at a place, Lord, and God, that we just don't want it to be just a song. We just don't want it to be just church. We just don't want it to be about works. But God, we want it to be about you. It's only you, Jesus. Only you, Father, that sets the captives free, that heals the brokenhearted, provides for those that are in need. It's only through you, Jesus, that we are reconciled back to God the Father. There's no other means and there's no other way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. So may we come to a place of surrender. that our worship would be our life. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for yet another opportunity to gather together, Lord, to open up your word, to to hear from you. And I pray, God, that we've come today um, with the right heart, attitude, Lord, and the right soil, Father, to receive your word not just to be a hearer of it, but to be a doer. Your word would find its place in the soul of our hearts, that it will take root and produce lasting fruit in our lives, that ultimately, God, our lives will bring glory and honor to Christ and to you alone, Father. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to go ahead and take communion. I would pray that um, that as this next song is being played, that the words that are being sung over us would remind us of His great love for us.
But Carrie, would you pray over the cup? Father, when we come to know you, we're commanded to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbor as ourself. We're commanded to follow that with believer's baptism, symbolizing the death of the old and life and the new. And then we are commanded to take the bread and the cup in remembrance of you. So we take this cup in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus paid, healing us from all infirmity, from all of our sin, forever to live with you in glory. In Jesus' name. Take the cup. Amen. Amen. Community. Got a few more weeks with you in this year. Speaking on community. Two definitions I've been holding up throughout the year. A group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Or filling a fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. And as we've been talking about community, we've been talking about the Christian community specifically on the days that we are together. Jesus is the foundation, is the center, is the head of the community. It's all about Him. It's nothing about us. It's everything to do with Him. He's the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's the one that reconciles us back to the Father. Apart from God, what do we have? Except ourselves. Except me, myself, and I. Again, we all have heard this over and over. Each of you should be able to say it. That we are all born in sin. We are enemies towards God. And yet God knows that condition. And yet he still loves us. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. You see you weren't created. You weren't purposed for the temporalness of this life. You were created for eternity. But apart from Christ, you can't grasp that understanding of eternity. Because you hunger. The nature in which you were born into hungers for the natural. For the things you can see. The things you can touch. The desires that are from within. Remember the Bible says, where does sin come from? It comes from the desire that is from within. But when you are in Christ, you've been delivered. You have been born again of a new nature. You have new desires that that are forming within you. And those desires are, are leading you into holiness, into righteousness. It's to walk by faith, not by sight. To walk in the Spirit. You know, remember the Bible says, how does He transform us? By changing the way we think. And the Bible also tells us, as a man thinks, so he goes. And the Bible also tells us, as I was sharing last week in the book of Galatians, that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And that war is a constant war until you take your last breath. But under knowing, under, uh, but knowing that, understanding, 
doesn't give us the right to keep going after the flesh. When you're in a war, you don't give yourself to the enemy. And so he gives us what we need to live a godly life. To live a life that honors God. And to reflect Jesus. You see, apart from Christ, we're just of ourselves. We long for our wants, our needs. A lot of us are not even miserable in the flesh. Some people can be, you know, at, at peace as who they are in their flesh. And they see no need for Christ. Others would, would be living a rough life, a hard life, a life of addiction, a life of pain. And yet even in that circumstances, in and of their flesh, they don't look to Christ. They keep looking for what's out here to fulfill them. But I've shared with y'all over and over and over that all of us, every man, woman, boy, girl, we have been born with a need to belong. And not to belong and not to be loved by the natural, but by God. And that need will never be fulfilled until our eyes have been opened to see Christ. To see Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And it's God's love that brings us to repentance. I keep encouraging us over the years, it's not God stiff-arming us. We've had the wrong picture of God. God welcomes us. God welcomes us through His Son, Jesus. Jesus is the only means of salvation. Apart from salvation, all you have is damnation. You're either going to live in eternity in the love of God, are you going to live in eternity experiencing the wrath of God? And so I said, why would you continue to choose that when he's made every way possible? And not every way through you, through good works, trying so hard to be good. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good Christian. If that's your mentality, you don't know Christ. You don't know Christ. <laughs> Because what saves us is Christ. What saves us, who delivers us is Christ. God is pleased with you because of Christ and what Christ has accomplished. That's why the believer's identity is in Christ. The Bible says we are seated with Christ. We're to put on Christ. Like we put on new clothes, the Bible says. Like there's a way in which we are called to live. And the community of the fellowship of, of those who are in Christ, we are to look different than all the other communities that are out there. Because all of us come from all those different other communities from out there 
We've been born again and now we're brought into this new community, this new way of living, and this is how we're growing. This is how we're maturing. We're not to come into the community of Christ and then demand that the community of Christ accepts our old identity. (laughs) Because if you want to keep living your old ways, then go back to that community. But in Christ... In Christ, there's a standard in which we are called to live. And it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus. Listen, before I came to Christ, I wasn't looking for Christ. Nor were any of you. I actually was at a point, yet though my life was crazy... But yet there was a part of me that was actually okay. I never wrestled once with my identity of who I was or what I liked or what I wanted to do. What I struggled with was the emptiness that none of that that I was receiving and having never completed me. Like I never once had an issue with being who I was. It it wasn't it wasn't a, a You know, some people struggled with homosexuality. I didn't. I didn't have a problem with being gay. I didn't have a problem in my relationships. I didn't have a problem with my identity and pushing the agenda and living the life and living it out loud. I didn't have a problem with all of that. I didn't have a problem being a liar and a manipulator, a drunkard. I didn't have a problem with doing drugs. I didn't have a problem with my anger. I didn't have a problem with this or with that. I didn't have a problem. What I had a problem with is that knowing sense that something is missing. I didn't have a problem being a part of of witchcraft, of of Satanism. I didn't have a problem with loving nature and trees and a practicing Buddhist, being a psychic. I didn't have a problem with exploring all the other types of religions out there. I didn't have a problem. The problem I had was still that emptiness within me that was gnawing at me. Why aren't I fulfilled? What's missing? I didn't even have a problem with the pain that I experienced as, as, a, as a kid. I didn't have a problem with the molestation or, or, or with you know the, the sexual abuse or even being raped or even being beaten. I, I didn't have a problem. I didn't want those things to define me. So I sought the things of the world to, to, to help me get beyond those and, and to be somewhat healed. But no, the problem I had was that, that emptiness that was still gnawing with inside me that something is missing. And then finally I was at a place in my life where finally my life seemed to be, though it collapsed, it, it seemed to be coming together. All of a sudden, at the end of when I finally collapsed in my mid-twenties, all of a sudden I was in a place of security. I was in a place of, of the world standards. <laughs> a place of security. I was, in a, I was in a relationship with, I knew that I was loved. 
and that I was loving back. I knew I was in a place of, of, of wealth. I, I knew I was finally at a place where, wow, everything I've ever wanted and the peace that I needed, I finally had. And yet, there was still something missing. Jesus, you all, had stepped in and revealed himself. And none of all that other stuff that quote-unquote was satisfying me and I thought I finally had arrived could measure up to Jesus. But what I had to come to grips with is, as, as well as every sinner is when you look at Jesus There's only one way to go, and it's his way. No matter what your age is, no matter if you're a young kid or a senior adult or in between, when Jesus steps in and reveals himself to you, because God is pleased to reveal himself to you, you realize, wait a minute, I'm a sinner. I'm an enemy towards you. And yet you love me, you're revealing yourself to me, and you're calling me to yourself. But in this call, I know that I need to repent. I need to turn from all that I was and all that I am and surrender my life to you. My position now has to be a position of surrender. See, you're either surrendering to Christ or you're surrendering to self. When you surrender to self, you're blinded by the enemy. I mean, ultimately, that's who you're ultimately surrendered to is to the enemy of your soul. You're surrendered to the world's systems telling you what your identity is, no matter what it is. You're surrendered to the flesh that craves everything of this temporal life and it calls you to die because sin can only lead to death. But when you look at Jesus, when Jesus, the author of life, is revealed to you when the greatest love is 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 experienced and and revealed to you you begin to live and you begin to live a new way in a new way it's a new life you've been born again if you've received Jesus you can keep looking upon Jesus and yet never receive him and that's where i'm afraid a lot of people are as they look upon Jesus, but they never receive him. You say, well, how do I know if I've received him? Has your life been altered? Have you surrendered to him, to his authority, to his throne? <laughs> Have you received 
what he's offering. This free gift of salvation. To be born again of the Spirit. And to live a life, you all, to the full. The Christian life, the Christian community, isn't supposed to be this humdrum Life. It's not supposed to be this burdensome life. It's not supposed to be this weird life that people have made it. No, it's the life to be expressed and reveal freedom to others that you can share without feeling the sense of shame and guilt of what you have been delivered from, of what God has seen you through. Because someone needs to hear it. Because they're held captive to it. And it's not that you become a perfect person. Your goal in this life is not perfection. You're not perfected if you're a Christian until you were with him. But while you are here, you are to be growing and maturing. And you said, but Rob, you say this every Sunday. And I know I say it every Sunday. The issue isn't, Rob, you're saying it every Sunday. The issue is why, if you're hearing it, is there not a change? If, if there's not a deeper level of a desire life to be lived for Christ, the hunger for Christ, the thirst for Christ, to speak for Christ, to honor Christ, that Christ is the head. And you're part of the body, so you should be functioning with the body of Christ. You should be a part of the community of Christ to be about our Father's business. Because I'm so afraid that the majority of people today in our culture is just looking at Jesus. They don't know Him. They've never received Him. And so there has to be an awakening. And that's why I've been so passionate throughout the year to talk about community. Because we need each other. Ultimately, first, we need Christ. But in God's plan and in God's sovereignty, He brings us together to accomplish His plan and His purpose. Because listen, once your eyes are open, once you've tasted freedom, once you've tasted all that God has and it's good, You're not going to settle for the trivial stuff. You're not going to settle for the temporal stuff. You're not even going to settle for your own little desires. No, you're going to want all that Christ has. And what Christ has is the kingdom of God. That we are to live out the kingdom. To trust in God. To know our God. And to be about our Father's business. Jesus is our example. And if he is our example, then we need to understand that he lived a life of obedience to the Father. He didn't come to do his will. No, he came to do the will of the Father. And that's how we ought to be living, you all. That's how we ought to be living. Community. I've been expressing over the past year, or throughout this year, I should say, community, and hopes, and hopes in my prayers that it would spark something within us that would say, we're not going to just settle for the status quo. We're not just going to be, quote unquote, another church, another fellowship. That we're going to be committed to saying, God, we want to be a people that seek you. 
that like our Friday night study, we want to be a people that behold our God, that know our God. God, we want more because we see the way the world is going. We see the level of darkness. We see the level of everything rising up. God, we want more of a hunger and a thirst for righteousness for your namesake. We want to seek you. We want to grow in Christ. We want to know, God, how can you use us We're just a group of people, God. And that our desire would be, God, come and be among us and dwell among us, Lord. And God, use us in this hour, in this generation, and all the works that you equipped us to do even before the earth was formed. Let it be. (laughs) Because we understand the urgency of the hour. And so we're going to live as Christians. Because we're part of the community no matter our age, if you're a Christian, if you're just looking at Christ, listen, it's time to come to Christ, to accept Christ, to live for Christ. You're about to transition into yet another year of life, another brand new year that none of us have ever, it's never dawned on us before. Oh, but it's coming. And since the fall of Adam, And Eve, sin has held people captive. (laughs) Captive. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. But Christ came to set the captives free. Christ came that you would understand the worth of your soul. Not to be living off of just desires. No, you'd be living from the, the knowledge of, of God through Christ and the value of your soul. And I've asked you before, do you even think about your soul? Do you even think about how the decisions that you're making are affecting the very essence of who you are? Or are you just flipping with life? Up today, down tomorrow. <laughs> In at this hour, but not the next. Loving God, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And then, like I've always told you, you get the phone call. <laughs> or you get the report. Or your boss calls you in and you're laid off. Now, all of a sudden, now he's not God. Oh, where's God? Where's God? Now, all of a sudden, we act like we don't know him. See, it has to be a consistent walk. And with the way the world is going, I mean, do you realize what we just experienced as the world? What we have come out of the past few years? And it's only amping up. And that's why the church has got to know her identity, you all. We've got to know. We've got to live in community. We've got to share the same characteristics. We've got to long for the same things. We're just not coming and showing up because, oh, I... I I etched it out in my schedule to be. Because <laughs> then we're just making it about us. But do you truly treasure Christ and all that He is? And if not, <laughs> you yet have been given another opportunity to hear His Word. He is pleased to reveal Himself to you. And then, not just that, but to give you all that he is and all that he has purchased.
for you so that you can live as one who belongs to Christ. Are you marked as one who has been adopted into the family of God? Have you been given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy? Do you understand that God in you, because you have the Holy Spirit if you've been born again, and you're to be living a life now that, that, that does not grieve the Holy Spirit, but a life now that walks in step. Because yet though the Spirit and the flesh are warring against each other, if you've been around me long enough or if I ever counseled you, one thing you've learned and one thing you've heard is that you starve the flesh and you feed the Spirit. Because as you think, so you go. As you think, so you go. But listen, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And it's about time we understand that our God is victorious. Our God is still not in the tomb. He's still not in the manger. And he's still not on the cross. He is resurrected. He is at the right hand of the throne of God. The place of authority. (laughs) He's interceding. He's praying for us. Like God loves us. His desire is for us to love him with all that we are. Everything about us. Everything. So the community, you all, the community of Christ. This is what we've been engrafted into. This is how we're living. This is the message that we have to share with others. Not beating them over the head. But just living a life before them when the opportunity comes just to tell them about Jesus. To be real about your pain and your struggles and your sin, but how God has, is bringing you through it and seeing you through it and the hope that you have in Christ to live upright in a wicked and perverse generation. There's a lot of confusion going on out there in this world. There's a lot of death happening. Because the wages of sin is death. Oh, but praise be to God. Yet though for a believer, when we take our last breath, oh, the hope that we have in Christ. Please, y'all, don't mourn for me. Don't mourn for me. Celebrate. Shad, when you get the call, don't you dare mourn for me. We celebrate. And if you're in Christ, no, no, you'll see me again. (laughs) No, celebrate. Yes, we grieve for the loss of our loved ones. And we ought to. (laughs) But man, those who are in Christ, what they're experiencing... Ah, man. That's why the world says that we don't grieve like the world does because, because of the hope that we have. And oh, how I pray that you are at peace with God to know the hope you have. That yet though I am mourning, I know God is with me, comforting me. But oh, I wouldn't want them back. Because where they're at is far better place. And I know at one point, 
I will return to them. As I first and foremost return to Christ. See, the hope that we have as a believer, you all, to encourage each other, to edify each other, to build each other up in Christ, that we would know him, that we would love him, that we would live for him, you all. It's just not about church. It's just not going to church and just go to church. No, it's every day. It's an everyday way of living. It's when you're done wrong, repent. It's when making the right choices. Is this going to honor Christ or is this going to just honor my desires? Well, I'd rather not keep living this way. And if I'm in Christ and I can choose not to go that way, I could choose Christ. And I also have the good news that if I did choose that way and I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, then I'm able to repent and I'm able to get up and I don't have to remain down. Because again, my guilt has been removed because I'm a child of God. You see, there's a way in which you have got to allow your faith to define you so that you're living honoring Christ in the community of believers. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Scriptures that we've heard already, but we're going to hear again, hopefully to encourage you to live in community. And as I've said, if you haven't been encouraged to live in community, if your involvement in community hasn't grown over the year, I'm just going to be honest, something is wrong with your Christianity. Because the Bible is very clear. He has brought us together. And we need to be in community, in the fellowship. We're not, to, we're not to deny that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other, Let there be no division in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Community. Unity. We're to be united in one thought and purpose. That God is glorified. That the gospel is announced. And that the new way of living is coming forth from a people who have reckoned themselves dead to their old ways and alive in Christ. You see, you were to reckon yourself dead, but alive in Christ. Go to 1 John chapter 1. And Carrie, you'll have to update the notes there because it should be chapter 2, verse 17. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through chapter 2, verse 17. Listen to the reading of the word of God. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Again, I can't encourage you enough to really grasp that. Just again, just don't be a hearer of the word. Understand the power of the word. Like you have been cleansed from sin. So then why is sin still tainting you? Why is the mark of it still upon you because of the choices and decisions that you're making? 
No. You have been cleansed. You have been cleansed. And, and you're cleansed by the blood of Christ. Like you understand. I, mean, I know we all like to look at the cross. And some of us have seen the passion. We're like, oh, that's horrible. But the reality was it was worse than that. What he suffered, what he endured for you. For you. So that you can live free. And so when sin comes a-knocking because of the desires that are from within, you're to be quick to say, hey, 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 no, 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 no. You've got nothing for me. That's why in Genesis it tells you, and if you've been around here long enough, you've heard it multiple times. The scripture tells you sin crouches at your door and its desire is to master you. But you must master it. How do we master it? By walking in the Spirit. By knowing the Word of God. By believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. You see, that belief, that confession alone, if it's true, it radically transforms your life. Radically transforms your life. Because you've considered yourself dead. How now then shall I live? It's not the ways of the world, you all. It's not to keep going where I've been. But to look at a horizon that's brand new to me. To say, yes, Lord. I'm yours. I don't know everything. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to fail. But God, I, but what I do know is you've got me even in the midst of my failure. Even in the midst of chaos. Even in the midst of confusion. You're my God. And I want to know you more each day. I never want to get to a place, nor would we ever get to a place that we think we've arrived here on this side of heaven. So each day it's a deeper walk with Christ. It's, it's a deeper love for Christ. And I promise you, if you're not experiencing that, I'm telling you, something's wrong with your Christianity. I know we've lulled each other, you know, just to sleep in the chairs and the pews, just show up just here and then go right back out. But listen, that life is not going, that's not, that doesn't save you. You can claim to be a Christian all you want. But the reality is, again, until you recognize yourself as an enemy of Christ, you are a sinner and everything about you hates him. Oh, you love your religion. <laughs> and I was hearing this pastor say this morning, I said, God, that's so good. He was saying, you know, Jesus wasn't killed because of his good works. They didn't kill him because he fed the thousands or he did miracles. They didn't kill him because, quote-unquote, he was a good man. They killed him because he claimed to be God and sent by God to do the will of God to redeem sinful man. They, they, they killed him because of his word, because of his testimony. 
And then Jesus looks at his followers and says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. But do we understand that? Same characteristic, you know, listen to the definitions of community. Understand what Jesus says. Jesus says, consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. Your life is mine now. There's no, can I tiptoe in? Can I be saved today and not saved tomorrow? Can I, can I run here and run there and then come back? And is it okay to live this sporadic type of a Christian life? No, no, no. Who lives that way? living to honor God and it feels weird inside to you until you get it up underneath your feet and in you're like okay wait a minute this is fresh this is new this this seems uncomfortable but wow I feel better like there's a way in which we are called to live and and, and he's cleansed us from our sins through his blood like if you really sit down and you've heard, what time is it? It's just so. It's ten to noon. Yeah. I've told you before. If you really sat down and you gave thought to whom you are saying you believe, it is utter nonsense. Have you preached the gospel to yourself lately? In the flesh, it makes no sense. I believe. In God, who sent his son through a virgin birth to redeem his creation that is an, that's his enemy, that hates him. But this man, Jesus, comes to earth, fully God, fully man, born of a virgin. The star in the sky led these wise men, the shepherds in the fields. You talk about his ministry, all that he did. And then he says he has to go to the cross to die for me. He took that form of punishment that was, I mean, just horrible. Just horrible. You understand what he endured? And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And those that would believe in, in him, that he's the son of God, that he rose from the dead, receives salvation that cleanses them of their sin. They no longer live the way they live. Now they live a new way. Because now they're empowered by God himself in them to not get caught up in the world around them that he keeps us in. That's what we say we believe. And yet you ask yourself, why am I living making a mockery of it? Why am I trampling on his blood like it's just common? Like he didn't do anything to me. It didn't change me. 
Why am I still wrestling and carrying on with all these desires and not warring back and pushing back, recognizing the source of it? That is my old nature. That is me being an enemy to God, but no God was pleased to reveal himself to me that I shall no longer live, but Christ lives in and through me. I believe it with my whole being. And it's a constant eyes fixed upon him, dress yourself for battle, and go about your day advancing his kingdom, advancing the knowledge of God from living out the truth of God and sharing the truth of God. You see, they're not going to kill you because you're a good person. They're not going to allow you to remain in the office because you do good works. Well, they would allow you to remain in the office. not going to throw you out of the office if you're just doing good works. But start sharing about God and how God came to rescue humanity through Jesus. And they will hate you. And that should open up your eyes to the spiritual war. Stop living on this plane that's all temporal, and start understanding that this is an all-out spiritual war. None of this is by accident. God will have a people that he will call his own. And in return, they will call him their God. And they will be with him for eternity. For eternity. Oh, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. You can't just keep being law back to sleep, law back to sleep. No, you gotta wake up and understand the urgency of our day and of the hour to live for Christ, to love Christ. It's not a humdrum life. No, it's a life understanding that you've been purchased, that you have been cleansed. He goes on, if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him. Listen to how you ought to be living. Not hiding your sin, not living in darkness. You understand we've created a culture in the quote-unquote church community where people are sitting with hidden sin, with hidden desires. And they're afraid. What are they going to think of me? And I tell them this is what I'm thinking, if this is what I'm involved in, and this is what I'm doing. I got a call just the other way, what, two weeks ago. A man came clean to his accountability group in the church. A group of men. And he says, Brothers, I have to tell you, I'm struggling with homosexual thoughts. You know what that group did? They went to the pastors, and then the man was called into the pastor's office and told, you can't come to church anymore. (laughs) It breaks my heart. Because I remember the first time I walked into church to talk to a pastor, and he looked at me. You're nothing of the devil. You'll come in here and you'll pervert all the men. Well, Lord, I didn't wake up that day thinking that. That hurts to the core. 
But man didn't save me. God saved me. But people are sitting quiet, suffering. Oh, I gotta be good. I gotta be. I gotta be the good Christian. Everyone else does. Everyone else seems to be put together. So I'll. I'll just sit and suffer in silence. And do you think that's what Jesus came for you to do? <laughs> I mean, it really is getting old, you all. If we're to be the body of Christ, then let's live for Christ. Let's know Christ. Let's be real for Christ. Let's live transparent for Christ. I keep telling you, freedom, first transparency before God and then before others. I've got nothing to hide from God. I've got nothing to hide from you. Like We don't have to live these weird lives. We have work to do. We are called forth in this generation to announce the coming of our God. Jesus is returning. And it's exciting. We're not to be scared. We're not to be running around. No, we're preparing. Our lamps are filled. We're living life. We're preparing for that day. How do I prepare? Are you praying? <laughs> do you have a, a disciplined life, a, a structured life and devotion time for Christ with community? Are you grasping the fullness that this isn't just a book written by man, but this is the living word of God that radically transforms your life to live afresh and anew for Jesus? <laughs> Not for you. Remember that one year? I spent a whole, whole year talking about the kingdom of God. It's just not a lot of But it's power. It's that power evident in your life. And if you're not, then please get serious about Jesus. Yes, the lost people can come. Well, I can have a whole full room of lost people. And if you're still not sure, am I saved, not saved, keep coming. (laughs) Until the day you realize, boom, I need Jesus. Oh, God, yes. And if you have the assurance that you are in Christ, keep coming. It always fascinates me. The soon as we have, oh, I've done wrong, or I'm not living up to the standards. Oh, I'm this or I'm that. What's our first reaction? I don't want to be there. I shouldn't go anymore. Do you understand how the enemy works? Again, it's this spiritual realm that will love nothing more than to push you out, to keep you blind, to keep you bound, and to send you on your way to hell. But it's Christ that liberates you. No, no, no. When I start feeling discouraged, when I start feeling that sense of of withdrawal, oh, I know your tactics, enemy. I know your tactics, flesh. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And there's a way in which we are called to live. He cleanses us 
He is faithful. It goes on verse 9. But if we confess our sins to Him, so important. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, look at this, from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar, showing that His word has no place in our hearts. Repentance is a daily life. It's not a one-time little prayer. Like it's every day. It should be. And if it's not, something's wrong with your Christianity. And then I love chapter 2. He says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you, what? Will not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. His name is Jesus, (laughs) the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we have, oh my goodness, come on, y'all. We can be sure that we know him. Do you hear scripture, the, the confidence that you can have? We can be sure that we know him if we, what? Keep living loose lives? Oh no. Obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but that person doesn't obey God's commandment, that person is a liar and is not living in truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love God. Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I don't know, when you, when you hear that, and you go this week with all the decisions and choices and things that are going to be presented to you, are you going to remember this before you just fly off? Before you give in, before you're afraid to hold up a standard to anyone. Listen, it's the most uncomfortable thing to look at your loved ones, look at family, look at friends, people who knew who you were, who shucked and jived with you, who gossiped, backbite, and all that other junk with you, for you to say, Oh, I'm sorry. And you're not saying, Oh, look how wrong you are. No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't do that anymore. What do you mean? No, I'm convicted. Stand for Jesus, you all, this week. And feel the steam of salvation. Like I'm saved. They laugh, they mock, they gripe, they yell, they curse. But it's not me. It's because of him. And so then the word of God tells me I have to consider it joy. So walk away and do a little happy dance. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father, for victory. Are you celebrating your victories that Christ has won for you? Mm-hmm. Or are you just giving in because you're afraid? Well, I've been friends with them for 15 years. <laughs> you're, you're afraid. Oh, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And so you're looking at who? Yourself. You're going to be looking at Christ. It's really uncomfortable, but it's okay. 
allow yourself to feel uncomfortable. I told you at First USA, that credit card company that hired me. Oh, mercy, that first day of training. That woman said, we're going to go around the room and we want you to tell, yourself, tell everyone something about yourself. And the Holy Spirit said, here's your opportunity. Tell them about Jesus. Oh, God. And I begged with God. Lord, I told you all this story before. I begged. I was sitting there like, oh, God, please, 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 please. I don't know any of these people, God. Please, God, please. Rob, you want to go ahead and share? Oh, yes, I'm freely um, saved. Jesus delivered me from homosexuality, and my life is totally fresh and anew. And, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what the future holds for me, and I'm just going on. But I know one thing is this, is that I was a sinner. And all of those people, it's uncomfortable. But you know what? At the end, I told you, months later, the head VP manager of the whole region came to my desk. I got to talk to you. He went to his office. He says, I told my wife all about you. Your testimony has brought conviction to my life. I left the ministry. I left my call. But I'm returning to Christ. I go, oh, wow. You see, you don't know whose life you're going to impact by just living free. It doesn't matter. I mean, these people used to go clubbing, and I made some good friends there. They would always say, well, you don't have to, you don't, just come with us. We just want to hang out with you. I said, no, no, it's okay. You all go and enjoy yourself. But I've done that, and there's nothing there for me. And I told you, these outright plain sinners said, okay, so we just want to hang out with you. Can we, before we go to the club or before we go out to the bar, can you come out to, they had a game room at first USA. Can you come out and can we not just play pool? And all of a sudden I just began to know them. I didn't have to tell them they're doing wrong. I just said, I can't do it any longer. It's my convictions. How can I put, and that's what I keep telling you that we're doing wrong. We're telling people how to, you have to live like the kingdom. You have to live like a Christian. Live like a Christian, live like a Christian, live like a Christian. And they don't even know Christ. I keep telling you what we've done is give people the kingdom without the king. Because when they have the king, they're going to want his kingdom because there's nothing in this world that compares to the things of the kingdom of God. Ain't no high, ain't no drink, ain't no sex, ain't no relationship. Ain't no insecurities, ain't no all this other stuff that just binds us and, and keeps us bound to the old way of living. <laughs> oh no, you got to get up. You got to start speaking. You got to start living it out. I mean, did you hear what it says there? I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. 
and we can be sure that he, we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, woohoo, I know God, but they don't obey God's commandment, that person is a liar. Do you realize he's, he's right? This is a letter to the church. He's saying that to people who, who are hearing this being read to them. This isn't out there. This is in the church. So if you're saying you know God, but you don't obey God's commandment, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. He says, dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you've heard before, yet it also is new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For this darkness is disappearing. Oh, come on, you all. And the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, oh, I'm living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. And I love this portion. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. (laughs) I'm writing to you who are young in the faith. Oh God, hear this. If you're young in your faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. Unless you didn't hear it the first time, I'm written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. The confidence that you can take today if you're young in the faith. You already won through Christ. So do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. I mean, this you can't you can't even get more you can't get more clearer than this, you all. There's no what's it saying? What's it not saying? What is it giving me the right to? It's giving me right to nothing. I've always told you, if you hear the gospel being preached, if you hear the word of God being taught to you, giving you the right to keep living however you want, to keep pursuing your best life now, to do all this weird junk, that's not the gospel. And yet, false gospels are on the rise. So you have to understand the times that you are are living in so that you know how to live for Christ. Like, we are in the last days, you all, if if you don't know that. And they're going to be worse than the days of Noah. So you're one foot in, one foot out, tiptoe in, tiptoe out. Oh, I know God, but yet I'm going da 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 da. No, no, no. You understand the days are getting worse than the days of Noah. 
Everything is on the rise. The occult practices, perversion, murder, strife, division. The love is getting, it's growing cold. Chaos is running amok. And yet God says, I prepared you for it, you all. You have a purpose in the midst of this. You're to be the light. You're to be the light. You're to be equipped for the days that are ahead. You're to be equipped. So do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only, oh God, hear this. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. This is the good news. This is how we're to be speaking to each other. This is how we're to be training up the next generation. This is how the next generation ought to be looking at people who are living for Christ. Equipping them, sharing with them the gospel until they come to a place where they can receive Christ as king and then they can begin to understand the ways of the kingdom. This isn't just some lucky charm. There's a lot of people doing works. And they're praying such soulish prayers. And do you realize in Scripture, you know what God says to people like that? Like, I don't hear you. It's all lip service. And then you you go a little darker into your sin. Or or you say, well, this isn't really, it didn't cost Christ that much. Nothing happened to me, so I guess I'm okay to continue to go this direction. And yet, in Psalms, he says, you think my silence was approval? Oh no, he says. I'm coming for you. God. I'm coming for you. And I'm going to tear you apart with my own hands. Oh, but yeah, no, no, no. That's not God. And we can, and we'll say that to ourselves. Oh no, I don't believe that's how he is. That's the Old Testament. Do you realize in the New Testament, it tells you his wrath is coming. He is stored it up because of sin. Like his wrath is coming, you all. And people are going to be swallowed up in it. And we just want to keep playing games, keep playing church, keep playing kumbaya. Keep telling everyone, just blah, 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 blah. Just a lot of talk about your Christianity. And there's no power in it. 
Like it's old, you all. Like we gotta wake up, we gotta wake up. And we gotta hold the standard to ourselves and among each other and say, Living, we're, li- we're living for Christ, we're seeking Christ, we want Christ. God, you're returning. When's the last time you prayed, come Lord Jesus, come? I don't pray that way, why not? The Bible says that we're to be in agreement with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the Bride, what do they pray? Say, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus, come. I mean, listen, we got to turn back to him, you all, to know him, to love him. Don't worry, I'm, I'm closing. I'm going to give you First um, Thessalonians. I'm going to give you a few other points, and then we'll walk through Scripture next week. But First Thessalonians is where we're heading. Chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Again, in hopes to encourage us, in community, brothers and sisters, chapter 5, verse 14 through 22. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. He's talking about those in the church. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. And do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. There is a way in which you are called to live. So when you take these scriptures this week, and I hope and pray that you are, and you're sitting down with your Bible, the pad of paper if need be, you're journaling notes, you're, you're writing out prayers, you're asking God, God, Lord, I may not understand this. This, may, this is not a, a, a consistent habit that I have, but Holy Spirit, you're convicting me, so teach me. Show me what it means to always be joyful. To never stop praying. To be thankful in all circumstances. (laughs) Because it's your will for me, God. I don't know how you're talking, how you're praying, who's discipling the majority of you. (laughs) But oh, how I pray that you're gaining a hunger. And there's a wake up happening to say, I want more. I want more. Go to, well, I'm going to end with that. Let's talk about the terms. I've been giving you these terms because for those of you, and even those who are here on Friday nights for this study, behold your God, I think it should be mandatory for every Christian to go through the study so that we don't lose sight of who God is and we don't try to make our worship experience, we don't try to make our Christianity all about us. When it's all about Him. So there's some, this is a deep study. But these, there's some terms that, that he's given us that maybe you've heard before, but if you really don't understand what God has done, you're not going to get the full understanding of the salvation experience in which Christ comes for you to receive. 
that you are free and free indeed. And so I said, well, in my prayer time, I said, well, I gotta, we got to get this before us. And I'm included on Sundays so we can meditate upon these terms and this one word throughout the week. What does this mean? So here, the word for this week, the major theological term this week is imputation. Imputation means to place one person's sin or righteousness upon another's account. Adam's sin was imputed or transferred to all humanity. The believer's sin was placed upon the account of Jesus when he was crucified. Christ's righteousness and all the blessings connected with it is placed on the account of the believer. Thus, the believer's sin was given to Christ and the Savior's perfect obedience was given to the believer. Christ's perfect obedience was given to you. Take that this week when you're going to make choices and make decisions or act a fool. And what right are you going to give yourself to do that if you're calling yourself a Christian? Like, do you understand what you've received? Like, do you understand salvation? Do you understand that you are forgiven, that you were held in bondage? You were a slave to sin. You were an enemy to God. You deserve His Wrath for all eternity. (laughs) But God so loved us. He's made a way through Jesus. Jesus, the cross was always purposed. It wasn't a second thought for God. Before the earth was formed, the cross was already purpose. Love was going to be displayed to all creation. You can deny it all you want. And people have a right to live however they want because not everyone is going to heaven. (laughs) But why would you keep denying it? Especially if you keep giving the opportunity to respond to it. Because there's going to come a day that last breath is taken and that death rattle begins. And you're going to have to give an account to Jesus. And you can't blame your mama, your daddy. You can't blame the pastor. You can't blame that, this, them, whoever. It's you. What did you do with Christ? You either accepted him or you denied him. So when you understand these terms that you're learning, again, I pray you are learning. If you're not, if you're you're not taking, going any further than just, I'm here on Sunday, something is wrong with your Christianity. And I'm afraid for you. Oh, we all can't be spiritual. It all can't be, you know, take it to the extreme. But then how far do you take it? What do you get by with? (laughs) 
Because show me those scriptures. Show me those scriptures and point me back to my old way of living. I've sat down with multiple people throughout the years. Show me it in scripture. What's just enough to squeeze in? Oh, please, let me know. (laughs) But I've searched, and I've searched, and I've searched. (laughs) I mean, I told you, even when I read, all of a sudden, all these these worship leaders, these pastors that were influencing my life, and, you know, God, they're godly men. All of a sudden, the next month, or the next six months, or the next year, They've left Christianity and they're homosexuals and and they're preaching and they're worshiping in the gay church. I'm like, God, what? And I laid in bed and I started studying. I said, where's my way out? Oh, God, wait a minute. And I went through all their teachings. I went through the whole teaching of the gay theology. Where's my way out? And the Holy Spirit said, look closely at what they're giving you. The right to self. And I remember having those chills. Like, oh, search no more. I said, God, forgive me. I would never give you the right to yourself. Remember the day I called you up from your position in that condo and I said, come my way. He doesn't just doesn't do it for me. He does it for everyone. <laughs> the same call that he placed on me, the same call that he placed on the Apostle Paul and to the disciples is the same call he places on every single sinner. Come, follow me. Your sin was placed on me and I took the wrath for you to be free. I mean, come on. And we want to do just enough just to get by and say, poof, I'm a Christian. Poof, I'm a Christian. Oh, look, I love God. And yet we don't even obey him. Ah, Come on, there's an enemy after your soul. There's a world system that just wants to keep enticing your desires. And there's this flesh that loves nothing more than just a feast of it. You're you're walking around aimlessly trying to fulfill something that will never be fulfilled. And yet you keep wanting to deny Christ. (laughs) I told you, please don't end up in hell with the knowledge of God, with Jesus on your lips. I prayed, I prayed, I said a prayer. (laughs) And yet he's never in your heart. He's not your God. He transforms people, you all. To be about our Father's business. And please understand, when you sit with this definition, and if you need 
time during the week if you need to connect. Listen, we go a little bit deeper Wednesday nights just to kind of hear from everyone else. It's not a time to really hear from me. It's to hear from what everyone's taking away. You can join on Zoom. You can come here. But if, if, I know everyone's schedule's got things doing. Let me know that you're interested in being discipled. So either I will meet one-on-one with you or I will assign you someone that I can entrust you with. Because you need to grow. And the Savior's perfect obedience has been imputed to you. Scriptures to summarize what God must do for a sinner in order for them to become a Christian. Again, I'm giving you these scriptures. I'm giving you these tools because I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to know your God. Romans 5, verse 1. My life verse. I, man, when I read this verse years ago, I said, Jesus. Romans 5, verse 1. Again, scriptures that you've been hearing over the past few weeks and will continue to that show you what God had to do for you and me, a sinner, in order for us to become a Christian. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right, been made what? Right. What's your condition? Made right in God's sight by works, by religious duties, by your Sunday's attendance. No, no, no. It says by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Like, I don't know. Let that just sit on you this week. You are at peace with the God who spoke and everything was formed. The living God. You don't have to run, you don't have to run from him. You don't have to, you don't have to if you're in Christ, you are at peace. You say, but I don't know if I'm in Christ. Then receive Christ. <laughs> today, let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day where you go, I am a sinner. <laughs> and Jesus, I don't know all I'm supposed to do. But one thing I do know is you're the son of God and you rose from the dead. And I believe. <laughs> and in that instant, in that instant, salvation. Heaven rejoices. You receive the Holy Spirit. It's a whole new world for you. But the greatest thing of all, you're at what? Peace with God. You don't have to worry about his wrath. You don't have to worry about the eternal destruction. You can keep your head up and your eyes focused and fixed on the kingdom that's coming. Go to verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight. How are we made right in God's sight? Well, there's your answer. By the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. You're not condemned any longer. Remember, salvation or damnation. (laughs) And oh, how I pray. Oh, how I pray that you understand the freedom that is found in Christ, that you are no longer under condemnation. But you are freed now in Christ. Go to Titus chapter 3. 
Hang in there. Titus chapter 3, verse 7. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Because of whose grace? Jesus's. Jesus's grace, he's declared us righteous. You are right now with God. You're in right standing with God. Grace is the power to transform. It's not a license to keep sinning. And he's giving you the confidence now, not in and of yourself and not in your walk or your works, but in what Christ has accomplished for you you can have confidence that you will inherit eternal life. Oh, you'll look at things differently now, you all. I promise you, because the Word of God tells us. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. God decided in advance. Who decided? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Do you see our God? It gives him great pleasure to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus, so that ultimately we would be adopted into his family, given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy, to live for him, to love him, to worship Him, to know Him. Oh, the hope that we have in Christ. The Heidelberg Catechism. We're on the Ten Commandments. Lord's Day 36. Only two questions today. First question, what is the aim of the Third Commandment? Well, here's your answer. And again, this catechism I'm giving you in hopes to kind of another tool to equip you to be able to defend the faith. So what is the aim of the third commandment? Well, here's your answer. That we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor share in such horrible sins, oh God, hear this, by being silent bystanders. In summary, we should use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may properly confess God, pray to God, and glorify God in all of our words and works. See, you don't work for salvation, but once you're saved, (laughs) the fruit of your salvation is works. Question 100. Is blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing really such a serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent and forbid it? Let me let you hear that one more time. Here's the question. Is blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing really such a serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent and forbid it. Answer, yes indeed, no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than blaspheming his name. That is why God commanded it to be punished with death. 
Scriptures are there for you. But we have to understand, again, there's a way in which we are called to live. Next week we'll pick up and we'll close, I mean, we'll get into an incredible chapter of 2 Kings and read through the Scriptures. I want to close today with 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 31. Hear the reading of the word on the wisdom of God. And may it bless those who hear the reading of it. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I would destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God, in his wisdom, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, because that's all we have to preach, you all. (laughs) The Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those, to who? Those. Called by who? God. To salvation. Both Jews and Gentiles. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of humans' plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose these despised by the world. I'm sorry, God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and has freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. And that's what I want to encourage you all in today. As we're looking towards the end of this year, as you've heard so much throughout this year and have been giving so many different tools to grow and to mature in your faith, the question you need to walk away with today is, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Are you announcing Jesus to others? Are you secured in Christ? Do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, 
and strength. And if not, then what are you waiting for? Oh, how I pray that the Word of God would begin to just to take root in your heart, that your soil of your heart is of good soil, and that fruit would come forth. And for those who are saved, those who are in Christ, grow in Christ. Mature, keep maturing, keep growing, keep denying yourself, keep picking up your cross and following Him. Keep con- counting the cost. This is going to cost you everything. Get in step with the Holy Spirit, begin, begin to really understand that you are preparing for the return of Christ. And listen, y'all, He can come at any moment. And that's good news for those who are saved. At any moment, all prophecy has been fulfilled. Like everything is ready for the return of our King. So as we are instructed, the bride and the spirit, they cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. I'm going to close this with this last song of worship and then I'll close this in prayer.
Yes, Lord. Where are you? <laughs> Father, we do 